the gospel gives us the resources to love people who reject our beliefs. Yeah. And we're called to that. We're called to love our enemies. Mm. So if you find yourself fully entrenched on one side of the aisle versus the other, okay, just keep in mind, loving your enemies is not an option. Mm. That's the command. And that gets hard. Yeah. Yeah. And it gets hard, particularly in politics, where that's not the way you play the game. The way you play the game is not by loving your enemies. It's by decrying them all the more and all the louder. Welcome to the Real Talk Podcast from Real FM. Here's Anson, Kara, and Isaac. It's hard to believe, but we are almost through yet another season of the Real Talk Podcast. Wow. Hello, I am Anson, Isaac, and Kara along with me. Hey. This is episode seven of season three of the Real Talk Podcast. Real Talk is a show where we get real about everything from current events to culture to faith And I just want to congratulate you if you've made it this far on this episode. (laughs) And by this far, I mean just a couple seconds into it, just starting the episode. That's really, really good because the title of this episode is Getting Political. And I wouldn't be surprised if the title of that episode maybe scared a few people. Myself included. It scares you? (laughs) Someone looked at that and said, too spicy, next. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, you even mentioned the word politics. Yes. And things get a little bit sketchy. So right off the bat, we're going to clarify a couple things, okay? Yes. If you're coming into this and you're going oh great here we go the title of the episode is getting political yes anson and isaac and kara are getting ready to bash me over the head with all of their political views that's not actually what this episode is going to be about we could talk about our personal political views but i'm not sure really how much good that would do if you really want to listen to a show where people ramble on about their political (laughs) views there's lots of shows out there that you can do that (laughs) yeah with and we don't really feel like this world needs another one no that's not really the plan in this episode instead what we're really wanting to talk about is this question what should the role of christians be in modern politics Mm. we're not going to talk about the role of christians should be to be republican or to be democrat or to advocate for this specific policy or whatever Mm -hmm. but more talking about the general questions of what does it look like in our modern world to be a christian and to engage or not engage in the political system, particularly here in the United States. Yes. So there was an election just a, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It's something I think that a lot of people are kind of grappling with. Yes. Because on, on the one hand, you might say, well, maybe I can just kind of ignore politics and do Christian stuff and, and <laughs> leave the politics stuff to other people because it gets messy and complicated and I don't want to deal with it. Right. That, that's kind of one approach. The other approach might be, nope, I'm going to use politics as a tool to advance an agenda or to advocate for certain positions on things. And I'm going to be super active and identify with a party and uh, mm. stump for candidates and all these things kind of on the opposite end. Right. Where in that spectrum should we land? It's a difficult question to answer and I'm not sure we're going answer it fully yeah but we're going to take a shot and at least discuss it here on the show today so that's what's coming up on the conversation but first we're going to talk about the shameless plug for this week and that is christmas music Yay! because we are into the month of december Christmas music is here. Christmas music has arrived on Real FM. Just a little small dose. We're not going nuts and going like all Christmas music or anything like that. Are you guys Christmas music fans? Where do you guys land on Christmas music? Because if there's one thing that might be just about as controversial <laughs> as politics, yeah. it might be people's opinions on Christmas music. It's true. I'm in a house with someone who is completely and totally in love with Christmas music. Nice. And I'm completely and totally in love with one Christmas music song. So it works <laughs> oh. nicely. One 
song. Uh, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas Is You is okay. my jam. That's a good song. And maybe Felice Navidad. I, I throw down to Felice wow. Navidad. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm for it. How do you okay. feel about Christmas music, Kara? I love Christmas music. I don't love it quite as much as I used to. When I was like in high school, I would start listening in maybe like September, October. Now that I work in radio and we there's a whole season where we listen to a whole lot of Christmas music, yeah. I maybe am not as big into it as I used to be, but I still really love it. I just need more variety now than I used to since it's a big part of my job. Right. But I love me some good instrumental, the old classics, the crooners. Mm. I mean, and then there's some new stuff out that's really good. Mm -hmm. It's just very Christmas music is very calming to me. If you're looking for some Christmas music, maybe that you haven't heard before, you want something a little bit new. We've got, I think, probably five or six new Christmas songs that we're playing on Real FM uh, this year, including some stuff from the likes of Lecrae, from No Big Deal, from Gavi, from Neon Feather. And then we've also got a, a few kind of older classic songs right. sprinkled in. We've got Mariah Carey. We've got Hanson. Uh, a few songs <laughs> like that that Shouts you're going to hear Hanson, as well. So, so if you're looking for some Christmas music in respectable quantities. <laughs> quantities not just mainlining not, Christmas exactly. music. <laughs> Real FM is going to have that for you. So make sure you yeah. uh, tune in during the month of December to check out some of the new Christmas music on Real FM. Let's go to what we're into this week, and we're going to start with Kara. I am excited about this, what I'm into this week. I went on my official honeymoon last week, and that was kind of a big deal. And we went to Cancun, not Cancun proper, like a little, I don't even know what it's called, a little shoot off of Cancun surrounded by water. And it was beautiful and amazing. And everyone's going to hate me. Sorry, because I'm talking about what I'm into is vacation. (laughs) And I haven't taken a real vacation for probably a couple of years. Yeah, Um, Yeah. As a single woman, it was just kind of this weird, like, I don't really know how to vacation mm. like by yourself. How do you do this? That's and, fair. So, I mean, I did do it a couple years ago. I went with a friend and we had kind of a real vacation, but it's been a little while and it was really fun. We went to an all-inclusive resort, which mm. again, I feel like everyone's going to hate me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, but Other people go on vacation. I know. I know. You can be happy for your shining. <laughs> it's okay. Also, Thank you. it's your honeymoon. That's kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like it's okay that we were spoiled a little bit. So it was awesome. We got to order room service, literally wake up hey. and just be like, hey, push this button on the mm. iPad and bring me breakfast, please. It's the life. So That's we kind so of, good. yeah, we kind of lived like kings and queens for a week and uh, we splurged a little bit for the like preferred club whoa and so we got these access to these beach beds that what? you know like in the promos where you see the videos and you're like oh I want you to got go those to sandals there. beach beds we got the beach beds awesome. with the canopies we totally took a nap on the beach one day as good as the, the commercials it was indicate it was pretty <laughs> you pretty guys could have like amazing. shot your r&b album cover yeah <laughs> The flowy curtains. Yes, it was just like that. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty fun vacation. And now I'm like, I understand why people take vacation and completely <laughs> vacate from responsibility and life. And, but now I'm like spoiled and w- mm. we came back and we were doing our budget yesterday and we were like, so that's not going to happen again for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's a little bit sad. The week but. after vacation, I feel like is always a little bit oh, of a yeah. challenging it week. It is challenging. Yeah. Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You yeah. wake up, you're like, where's my room service? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Grunt <But>. for the button. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. pressing my iPad. Nothing's, <laughs> Nothing's happening. happening. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely happened to us on Saturday morning. We were like, I'll get the eye. Oh, (laughs) but it was it was really amazing. And we're grateful that we got to do it and go enjoy the beach and all the things. And we're not going to get to do it again for a long time. But 
right. That's what I'm into this week. So what I'm into this week, and I'm just going to give a qualifier here. I'm having to like check my energy and pump the brakes a little bit because <laughs> both my what I'm into and my overrated this week are topics that I am very passionate about. Ooh, so right. Right. Okay. I'm pumping the brakes a little bit. I'm going <laughs> to not just let it coast. All right, all right. Here we go. All right. Do it. Okay. <laughs> You people buying fake trees. Uh-oh. Listen, here, listen, listen, go out, <laughs> get a Douglas fir because they don't shed and Those. they smell amazing. They do. It's true. Me and my wife for the second year in a row. Now we picked up a Douglas fir. We named it Fernando. <laughs> you always have the best names. This, stuff. this sucker true. is seven and a half feet tall. Oh. It's sitting in our wow. living room right now. It's a giant air freshener for your entire house. That is true. And it smells so good. And all this week we've been like working. Okay. We, Brie has been decorating this tree, (laughs) putting lights on it. Mm -hmm. Me and my cat have been trying not to knock it down. Uh, It's been great. It's really cool. And the entire experience of like going and cutting down a Christmas tree, there's just something a little bit extra to that Mm -hmm. where you kind of have a little bit more ownership over it versus going to the store and like getting a box, unboxing it and like putting it up. That's fair. And I just, I love, like, I go the little bit extra on the weirdest things. So Christmas trees are one of them. And I'm really into real Christmas trees. And I've been dispelling rumors left and right when people are like, well, I just don't like the shedding the pine needles. And I'm like, get you a Douglas fir, bro. I know the exact genus and type of tree to buy. You need a Douglas fir, get them for about 60 bucks, and yeah. you got a tree. It's there awesome. you go. So it doesn't shed. Doesn't shed. But also cats. Cats. Which you have. I have a cat. I How's have that as going? Well. He climbs it. He yeah. gets sap all over him and he gets little kitty dreadlocks from yeah. all the sap. <laughs> and it's so cute. Like, it's bad, but Until also... You have to give him a bath. Well, yeah. kind of. I mean, yeah. like, I brush him out, but <laughs> I'll come home. We were out of town this weekend and I was like, it's 60-40 on whether or not our tree is still standing. But exactly. we came home. It was still there, but he was in the middle of the tree, like right, right. doing his ornament batting thing. <laughs> your cat's gonna climb your tree, but my right. cat is like pine scented now, yeah. which is pretty which- cool. <laughs> Does the cat get crazier about a real tree versus a fake tree, or is it basically oh. just cats and trees don't mix in general? So here's the deal: he is a specific type of cat breed that we've learned loves to climb. He is a oh. climber, oh. so he's mm. one of those cats that'll climb a tree on purpose and be able to come back down. Oh, so he climbs up in there, makes a little kitty nest, and like just sits in the tree. So. <laughs> Garth has been climbing the tree every day and That's he loves awesome. it. So, you know, he likes it. Fake trees, he can't so much do that in. So, we See, hook him up. That would be why I would That would be why. Tree. Yeah, that's why I'm like, well. We definitely skimped on ornaments. We bought all like non-breakable shatterproof yes. ornaments. Uh, that's good. So, he'll cool. just like karate kick them off. They'll bounce across the floor and I'll be like, nice. <laughs> good shot, bro. Fair enough. Yeah. That's all right. Well, you know, I'm not clearly as extra when it comes to trees as you are, but everybody has their extra things. So, I'm going to I'm going to let you have that one. All right. Yeah. What I am in into this week is a product called the Eufy RoboVac 11S. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> wow. Cyber Monday happened pretty recently, oh. and I was looking through the deals. I hadn't bought anything on Black Friday or anything like that. I was mm. kind of thinking, yeah, you know, I'm not sure I'm really going to buy anything yeah. on the deal days this year. And then I saw it. The Eufy <laughs> RoboVac 11S. Love oh it first sight. On sale for $150. <laughs> Here's what this is. It's basically an off-brand Roomba, right? Oh, yeah. So it's one of the little disc robot vacuums. Yeah. Okay. And I had always kind of been intrigued by the prospect of a robot vacuum. I always thought they were kind of cool. The expensive, nice ones can get up to like $1,000. Oh, my goodness. I was like, I cannot 
justify spending a thousand dollars on a robot vacuum. Right. And if I wanted one, I want to get like a good one, right? That, right? that actually works well and stuff. And so I was reading some reviews on these robot vacuums. One of my websites that I really like is called the wire cutter. They have reviews on it's pretty much side. everything that exists. Yep. I was reading their guide to robot vacuums and their top recommended vacuum is this Ufi RoboVac 11S. Really? And it's like one of the cheapest robot vacuums that exists. Right. But they also say it's one of the best. Well, that's awesome. And it was on sale on Cyber Monday for $150. Wow. My wife and I were like, maybe we should give this a try. Maybe we should get yeah. this. So we bought the Eufy RoboVac 11S. <laughs> and uh, You have to say the full name each time. That's I, pretty yes, awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so we're trying to name it similar to you naming your Christmas tree. Yeah. We've gone through a number of names. My daughter, Arwen, who's three, her suggested name was Cleaner. <laughs> Which is <laughs> really totalitarian. Uh, like yes. Um, Av wanted to just call it Yuffie because that's the brand uh, of yeah. it. And yeah. Yuffie sounds kind of cute. I yeah. can I can go with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other suggestions ranged from Wally, uh, um, okay. and then Lord Farquaad was oh. in there because it's very short. And uh, so, yeah, and, and then go. somebody suggested Lord Floorquad, which I thought was <laughs> oh good. my gosh. Okay, that's so pretty that good. Was a possibility, Stop. but I think we've actually settled on Inspector Clouseau. Oh, as the name for the robot and wow. uh, the pink panther guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've got to explain why we've kind of decided on calling this thing Inspector Clouseau. The Yuffie is what you call a bump and run robot, <laughs> which means that it goes straight until it runs into something <laughs> and then it stops, turns a random different direction and then does that again until it, it runs into something, nice. right? The expensive robots, they map your home. Oh. Yeah. So they come up with a floor plan and then it follows this little pattern and does your home perfectly. Yeah. The bump and run robots don't do that they're just random they just go all over the place yeah. right so when you watch this thing vacuum it kind of looks like a drunken toddler <laughs> like it stumbles around the room that's amazing bumping into things going oh oops, sorry about that and like kind of turning around and then going a different direction and sometimes it like gets stuck under the table kind of not forever yeah. but it just like bounces around the legs of your oh table for goodness. like five minutes until it I finally figures it. out a way to get out of there that's amazing and so it, it really does look kind of ridiculous honestly yeah. when you watch it for example uh, when it runs out of battery it has its little base right that you right. set up and it tries to get back home uh-huh. but because it doesn't have a map of the, the floor plan <laughs> it doesn't actually know where it's home where's is. my home and so it has to get into range of the base before it figures out oh my oh, where the base is wow. it goes into low power mode so it just moves around quietly and slowly and it kind of stumbles around the house for like up to 10 to 15 minutes. Oh, wow. Oh my trying gosh. to figure out where, where its home I is. Live? And eventually it stumbles into the range of its base and then yeah. it's like, oh, there it is. And it lines itself up and it docks itself <laughs> back on the base. Incredible. Oh my so gosh. all the reviews that I've read of this thing say that if you want to get the most out of your robot vacuum, you really don't want to watch it work. You oh. just want to enjoy the fruits of its labor without right. actually watching the process. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're like an OCD type person, you're going to get really frustrated. Yeah. You're going to be like, dude, you just went over that spot. You haven't been over here at all. Yeah. Like, you've got to get over there. You know, And like, you're yeah. going to get really frustrated with how this whole thing works. Micromanage your robot. Exactly. Vacuum. <laughs> but what they say is the whole thing with these like bump and run robots is uh, the reviews say in some cases they actually clean better oh. than the more expensive ones that map your home because the right. ones that map your home only cover each section of carpet one time, oh. whereas the random ones sometimes go over the same spots multiple times. And it's drunken toddler stroll. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the point is, if you run it consistently, like every day over time, it's actually going to pick up more stuff because oh. it may not get everything every run. But if you run it every day, 
It's the cumulative effect is that it's going to actually vacuum your home really well. That's yeah. awesome. So that's where Inspector Clouseau comes from. He's kind of this bumbling little robot that yes. looks kind of ridiculous when you watch him, but he stumbles in to doing the right thing. Can I just say that bump and run? Like, there's never been a better <laughs> description of my lifestyle choices than bump and run. I identify with this vacuum. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm going to go the other way down. Right? <laughs> Try this one over here. Try that one over there. Well, friends, today it is my turn for How to Adult, where we navigate the potholes of adulthood together. Mm. And today, I need some help navigating a pothole. It's the pothole of how in the world do you maintain any semblance of a healthy lifestyle (laughs) during the holiday madness? Uh. And the holiday madness for me this year is coming on the heels of wedding season, Uh honeymoon season, Thanksgiving, and now comes Christmas slash eat all the things season. Right. And I'm telling you, my clothes do not fit. Mm. (laughs) And because it's holiday madness season and because we've been out of wedding season and there's been all the stress, we've had no time to go to the gym. Mm. And I'm literally like, I do not know how to deal with all of this madness and try to maintain a healthy lifestyle because, okay, let's just be real. I love food. I love dessert. I love cookies and a little too much. And I, during the rest of the year, can kind of maintain a little bit of a balance. And I got into a place where I felt like I had a good rhythm with the gym and things like that. That all just went out the window during right. wedding season. And now we're in holiday season on top of that. And I'm like, this is getting bad, people. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is bad news. And my husband and I are both like, we got to do something about yeah. this. But like, how do you do that? This is like the worst time possible. Yeah. And I realize this is something everybody deals with every year, but... It's suddenly becoming urgent. <laughs> I do think like this no, time sure. of the year is one of the hardest times of the year for that for a couple of reasons. One, yeah. because of what you said about all of the holidays and all that stuff. And then on top of all of that, the weather gets cold. You're not motivated to like go outside or go right. to the gym. Exactly. And then you're kind of out of your routine anyway, which just makes it that much harder to yep. to stick with the exercise routine. So I feel like there are a lot of different factors that converge yeah. right, this time of year to make it hard. It's like the perfect storm. And then on top of that, for me, exercise is an important part of my mental health and let's just face it winter is a really bad time for that as well because there's less sunlight and there's extra stress with traveling and family all the things and so it's like the perfect storm of let's see how stressed we can possibly get (laughs) yeah for sure (laughs) take away the coping mechanisms that you normally have of like hey if i do a little bit of exercise and try to eat a little bit more reasonable i feel better well let's just take all of that away at once and see how you (laughs) cope (laughs) so i'm just like i don't even know guys how do you adult how do you maintain any semblance of some sort of like self-control healthy lifestyle during all of the madness <laughs> clearly we have lots of answers I, yes uh, met with silence <laughs> so i've managed to kind of keep up with my workout routine going into the season this year which is a new thing for me that's probably the first time in a decade that that's happened so yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not normal but that's a big part of it right a lot of i feel like exercise is kind of momentum based like once you yes. get going it gets easier to keep right. it up it is and so if you're heading into the season kind of with Already. that in place, that really helps. Yeah. If you're not getting it started is definitely going to be an added challenge to that. Yeah. Right? I feel like one of the best things that you can do to start that routine is to find someone that's either going to do it with you or mm. hold you accountable to doing it. Yeah. So maybe like in your life stage, maybe that would be your husband. Yeah, you, know, totally. you guys are, are newlyweds. You're figuring out now right. back from the honeymoon yeah. what married life is going to look like together. Exactly. How are you going to spend time together? What does yeah. your daily routine look like? Exactly. If there's a way to incorporate exercise 
into that kind yeah. of new adventure that you're going through, I think that would probably give you the best chance of a success. That you know, very if, true. if one of you is like, I really want to do this. And the other one's like, yeah, nah, nah, not, not for so me. much. Go for yeah. it, though. I'm behind you <laughs> yeah. as they sit on the couch and, and you know, popcorn or whatever. <laughs> exactly. yeah. That makes it that much harder. Right. Because yeah. no one wants to leave their spouse sitting on the no. couch watching a TV show right. and go to the gym. Exactly. So if it's something that you kind of are both on the same page on, That's I think true. that would really help. Yeah. Because then you're going to have those nights where one of you is going to be like, I really don't want to do this tonight. And the yeah. other one can step in and be like, no, we, we got to go. keep it up. Yeah. We got to yeah. do it. It'll feel you, good. You need that help. Right. Yes. When you're trying to start a new habit or yeah. restart a habit. Oh, and man. I think with that being satisfied with a little bit of exercise is still better than oh. none yeah, at all. Yeah, because yeah. I yeah. approach that with an all or nothing mentality. So and true. the last couple of weeks Me have too. been really bad because I've been out of town for Thanksgiving. Man. And then I just, I didn't go to the gym at all because I couldn't go on the routine that I wanted to. Right. But had I gone <laughs> like worth it, but if I can't go for, but then I look back and I'm like, had I gone on a Tuesday or Wednesday, right? That would have been enough. Yeah. That would have been at least better than what I did. Than nothing, nothing at all. It ate yeah. all the peppermint bark. Yeah, ever. Like over, like, over Thanksgiving <laughs> break, I was obviously way out of my routine, yeah. yeah. but I did go to the gym with a couple of family members yeah. once mm-hmm. like the day after Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah. And I was like, that was better than nothing. Right. Yeah. To get one workout in is better yeah. than zero workouts. Exactly. So you got to have some grace for yourself. Yeah. yeah You're like, good. yeah, I am. I'm going to be out of it a little bit during the season. Yeah. Right. But that doesn't mean I shouldn't do what I can. Don't shut down completely. Yeah. Yes, that's good. I like that. And I've heard that before. And I've told myself that before yeah. that like, <laughs> yeah, this counts. Like right, if I, yeah, if I yeah. get out and go for a walk today, if mm. I do this or whatever, I always think it doesn't count because I'm not at the gym for right. 45 minutes. I'm like, right. no, the little things count too. And I have to keep reminding myself that otherwise I'll just give up <laughs> entirely. Mm. If you run half a mile, you're lapping everyone on the couch. That's true. <laughs> Now it's time for Overrated, where I am mercilessly roasting everyone's favorite nouns. Here we go. I'm roasting a Christmas classic, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh. The Ah. claymation. Yeah. Are you guys familiar with this piece of cinematic artwork? Oh, yeah. Recently, everyone, I think on Twitter mostly, has been discovering that this is not a good movie. Oh. (laughs) And this is not a movie that we should derive lessons from for children, (laughs) especially. Uh Uh-oh. Because at its core, it's really about hiding one of the things that makes you different and everyone (laughs) else only accepting you into the fold when you're useful. On a re-examination of this, Rudolph is born. Santa Claus is there, who, by the way, in the movie is kind of a grumpy person in general. Oh, yeah. If you're rewatching this uh, as an adult. Lovely. Yeah. Santa Claus shames Rudolph's dad for his red nose. Like, there's a line in the movie where he's like, what is this nonsense? And Rudolph's like, red nose is blinking around. Aww. So Rudolph has to cover the nose with a fake nose. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then there's this whole island of misfit toy thing, which is really disturbing to yeah, think about. That always that. actually kind of creeped me out yeah. a little bit. Yeah. It was a little weird. Yeah. yeah. So there's all these different elements. And one thing, there is an article on a cracked.com talking about basically how this movie is actually secretly terrible and you should enjoy it. <laughs> and it's talking about this specific scene where Throughout the movie, Santa Claus has just been kind of grumpy, but this one specific scene, all of the elves sing this song that they've been practicing for Santa Claus. Oh. He listens to it on his Santa throne. <laughs> and when they ask eagerly how he enjoyed it, he goes, It was okay, but it still needs work. And he leaves. <laughs> oh. Guys, Santa. It's not a good movie. <laughs> 
and God, Santa I, like Claus, I need to go back and rewatch this. You now. Know. It's been a year or two. You have it's to watch it time. because Santa Claus is just this angry ball of stress. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't Santa be an angry ball of stress? That's true. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. Job. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> maybe it's a realistic portrayal. But we just don't God. like it. We just don't like it. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Santa Claus like doesn't put up with Rudolph at all. All of the reindeer exclude him. Aww. And then even when his nose is shining and Santa Claus is trying to figure out how to navigate the weather, right? Uh-huh. He's like, Rudolph, will you turn the nose down for a second? Yells <laughs> <laughs> at him. <laughs> Guys, it's not a good so ending. I just do not remember. See, I don't I remember that thought, either. I like, it ended happy, though. Does it Kinda. not? Like, I mean, I, Kinda. I thought That's Rudolph funny. at the end was like, you know, yay, his nose was, I guess maybe the it's song. just because it was useful, though. But no, it's, it it's all about useful. being practically useful that they oh. accept him and tolerate him. And even then, like, even after he drives the sleigh, they're like, yeah, don't get a big head about it, Rudolph. <laughs> like, they still, like, <laughs> knock him down a couple of pegs. Wow. It's so sad. So the lesson is, if you have some sort of, yeah, like, physical something that makes you appear different from other kids right as long as you can use it right to navigate fog <laughs> like <laughs> that's okay yeah wow. or, like, it's not a good message at all like <laughs> it could be like oh we're celebrating differences but it's like no you're a weird gargoyle and go away <laughs> until we maybe need you one day and then you can come back but then we'll make sure you don't get a big ego about it <laughs> I feel like we definitely need a Rudolph watch oh, session wow. now. This sounds I don't know if I like, want to subject yeah. myself to it yeah, again. Isaac but is done with this Have movie. you watched it? Did you watch it recently? Then? Yeah, we or? watched it. I, I noticed on Twitter that there's this huge thread about people talking yeah. about how it's terrible now. So I watched oh. it and I was like, how did this get made? How did that? Okay, you agreed. <laughs> yeah, it was a whole new light for me watching this movie under it. And it was just... Wow. really bizarre sometimes old school so like cartoons and kids shows and yes. stuff you go back and watch them from a few yeah. decades ago and there's, you're kind of like there's weird this is a little strange weird so stuff. yeah all right i definitely need to go back and watch it because <laughs> i'm just not remembering <laughs> I'm well not enough clearly <laughs> it'll i'm sure it'll be on every channel ever here in a few weeks <laughs> yeah true. give it a watch and just remember all like right. all of these things be watching for how terrible santa is <laughs> be watching for this whole complex that rudolph <laughs> has because everyone hates his nose Poor rudolph wow. it's it's a very sad movie it's rough <laughs> it's Overrated. <laughs> All right, guys, now it is time for Mad Lib the News. It's the news now with 200% more fun, where we take a news story and replace a bunch of random words in the news story to kind of create a new version Yay! of the news story. <laughs> Hopefully, more entertaining than the original. So, I've got my news story picked out today, so it's time to pick out some words to uh, substitute into this thing. And we're going to start off with an adjective, please. Ooh, adjective. Okay. Shiny. Ooh, nice. I was going to say shiny. Were you? That's nice. going to work very well, actually. I okay. must have been able to talk about Rudolph. Yeah. Now I need a location. Oh. It can be as specific or generic as you want it to be. <laughs> Let's do Luxembourg. Nice. Luxembourg. Okay. Wow. All right. I need another adjective. Mm. Robust. <laughs> nice. And a noun. Uh, water. Okay. Adjective. Tiny. <laughs> Plural noun. Hmm. Cows. Mm. You guys seen that big cow? What? Yes. What? The giant cow on the internet. No. The absolute unit of a cow. I'm Googling giant it's cow a right giant now. Giant Australian steer. <laughs> it's, it's actually not a cow, technically, but it's a giant. haunting image. <laughs> it's a little scary. Giant Australian steer. What in the world? <laughs> it's amazing. All right. Now I need a number. 42. Now I need the name of a person. Roscoe. Okay. 
Do you need a last name? No, that's fine. Unless you have, I mean, if, if you want a last name, Dunkelberg. Okay. I know somebody named Dunkelberg. The last name Dunkelberg. Oh, let's go Dunkelberg. Awesome. Let's switch it out for Dunkelberg in, in honor of this person. <laughs> Sorry, Dunkelbergs. <laughs> Love you guys. Friends of the station. <laughs> That cow is so big. It's huge. What is happening with this cow? I need an adjective. Huge. <laughs> a noun. Let's do fighter jet. Why is this cow so big? <laughs> exactly. Why is it so big? <laughs> Kara was bringing softly <laughs> for the rest of the day. Why is the cow, cow is so big? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what everyone said. That's been that me all week. <laughs> I'll lay down at night and just think about how big that cow <laughs> is. So large. So big. All right. Adjective. Mm. Sparkly. Very good. I like it. <laughs> Past tense verb. What verb that ends in ED. I've got one if you don't have one. Go Kara. for it. Punted. <laughs> okay. That's, that's so amazing. Good. It's one of my favorite past tense verbs. Right. <laughs> All right. Another place. Airport. Okay. And a country. Canada. Ooh. Oh, Canada. <laughs> oh, Canada. There were a surprising number of Canadians at the resort in Mexico. It was yeah. kind of weird. Yeah. Like every time I turned around. It was it's like, kind of fun. It was kind of fun. They all spoke French. I was like, ooh, ah. fancy. Yeah. All right. I need another name of a person. Rodrigo. Solid. All right. The name of a city. A lot of locations in this one. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hmm. Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> You're watching The Good Place. Mm. I feel like all of our Mad Libs should just be set in Florida. <laughs> an adjective? We're almost done. Spunky? Is that an adjective? I like that one. Very good. <laughs> okay. And finally, a noun. Car. Car? Yeah. All right. Just one second. We'll finish this up here, and then we'll read our news story. And now for a Real Talk podcast news update. Yay! Yes. Bible scholars believe that the shiny car of the covenant may have ended up in Luxembourg after it was taken out of Israel. Oh my. The car is said to be a water-covered, robust chest <laughs> containing two tiny cows on which the 42 commandments, Jeez. which Roscoe Dunkelberg <laughs> brought down from Mount Sinai, yes. are written. <laughs> Wow. It is also said to contain other huge items, oh. such as Aaron's fighter jet, <laughs> which is, is thought huge. to have magical powers. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible Archaeology Search and Exploration Institute said, as unusual as this may sound, the team has uncovered sparkly evidence <laughs> that the Car of the Covenant may well have been punted up the Nile River. <laughs> An eventual resting place in the airport of modern day Canada. Yeah! <laughs> Which geographically, I'm not sure that makes a lot of sense, but it's, awesome. it's a magic fighter jet. Yeah. yeah. There's also 42 <laughs> commandments written on two yeah. tiny cows inside. So, you know, who am I to question Roscoe Dunkelberg? Exactly. <laughs> While the Institute did not claim 100% certainty about finding the car of the covenant, it did say <laughs> what we have concluded is that St. Rodrigo Church in Jacksonville, Florida <laughs> is the resting place of either a spunky replica of the Car of the Covenant or the actual Car of the Covenant itself. There's a lot of location hopping there. There was. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, we went from the Nile River, Luxembourg, Luxembourg to Canada, <laughs> to Canada, to settling where all things like this should yeah. in Jacksonville. Jacksonville. The Car of the Covenant is in Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> Makes too much sense. Almost. And that is a Real Talk uh, News Update. 
Now it is time for the conversation. And this week we are talking about getting political. What should the role of Christians be in modern politics? So here's where I want to start, guys. I want to start with just kind of personally, where do you guys find yourselves on this issue? (laughs) How do you as an individual Christian relate to politics currently? And is that current state that you're in the state that you've kind of always been in and Mm -hmm. that you the approach that you've always taken? Or have you kind of gone through maybe even phases where at different times you've been more or less interested in what's happening politically? Where do you guys stand? I was raised by a very, very politically active mom. My dad also, but my mom more so like in civic engagement back when the Tea Party movement was first starting up, she actually hosted a text enough already. So my mom is very much like, regardless of your politics, get Mm -hmm. out there and make your voice heard and Mm. fight for the causes you believe in. So we differ politically, me and my mom, but she's always been very enthusiastic about me getting involved, Mm -hmm. getting behind people, Mm. working with candidates. And I've talked to her about calling people and doing stumping for other candidates. And she just gets excited about that. So you've picked that up from her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so. Like I'm very much politically involved and my political involvement is very closely tied to my beliefs regarding compassion and working for others and Mm -hmm. being a voice for people who don't have a voice. So that's kind of where I fall with that. Have you ever questioned whether you've gone too far in that direction or is that something that you're pretty comfortable in? You feel like I think that you can get a little bit too far into something that you're passionate about and maybe sort of alienate other people. Um, And I think that that's no different. Um, I definitely have like checked myself, especially just in the last couple of years about the language and the rhetoric that I use to describe Mm. people that I don't agree with. I've really had to scale that back and really Mm. work on that. Mm. It's both a political and a personal challenge to myself. I don't think it's productive to demonize your political opponents, you can easily fall into that nowadays. So yeah, I've definitely had to scale back some elements of that for sure. Oh guys, it's a good thing. This podcast is called real talk. Cause we're about to have some real talk. Uh-huh. I have avoided politics like the plague for the last few years. I feel like there was a time where I was a little bit more aware and involved, but that may have even been before college, maybe like in high school, like late yeah. high school years, I was more aware and interested And then I don't know, I just I feel like as I got older and I started to struggle with depression and just struggling with the hard realities of the world, politics seemed like an overwhelming, unnecessary piece of baggage to pick up for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it really does weigh me down heavily if I let myself get too involved in it. But I say too involved. And what I've done is I've gone to the opposite extreme of no involvement at all. Mm -hmm. Like I just shut it down. I've said to myself the last few years, like I can't handle it. Mm -hmm. I don't want any part of it. Mm -hmm. I just want to shut down. There's been times where I've felt guilty about that and I've started to kind of go, well, maybe that's not the right response, but I'm so overwhelmed by it. I don't know what the right response is, how to engage it without being overwhelmed by it. And so I just haven't. But it's funny this weekend, my husband and I actually got into a conversation about politics and he challenged me a little bit with my don't touch it with a 10 foot pole Mm -hmm. attitude about politics in a kind way. But we ended up in this discussion and actually turned out to be a really good, helpful discussion where I was able to tell him honestly, like, look, I'm overwhelmed. This is why I respond this way. This is where I'm at. And we were able to talk about it in a healthy way and me kind of go, well, maybe this is an area I need to move a little bit in a different direction in. Mm. And maybe there's a healthy balance and it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Yeah. 
it's a challenge. And I think you guys both in opposite ways represent the mm-hmm. response a lot of people have had to politics in recent years. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, let's face it, uh, politics, if you look historically, have always been nasty at times and difficult and hard. That's not necessarily new. But particularly in the United States, there is research that's showing that polarization in particular Mm -hmm. uh, is only increasing and has for the last few decades. But particularly even in the last few years, feels like that's been kind of ramped up to a new extreme. And I think there are a variety of different responses that people have had to that. But two of the big responses, I think, are kind of represented by you guys. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, a response might be, oh my goodness, like this is getting out of control. Things are happening that I don't agree with. I need to get involved with this and try to be an agent of change Mm -hmm. and and make a difference. Right. And that approach makes sense. On the other hand, another response that I think makes sense is that you might look at that and go like, oh my goodness, this is just, it's getting ridiculous. I don't think a difference can be made or even if one can, I'm not the person to do it. And I don't even want to get involved in all that because it's just a giant mess and it's just going to drag me down and make me feel terrible about, <laughs> exactly. about the whole thing. Yeah. And I think, honestly, I've kind of experienced both of those at different times in my life. Mm. I think when I got into college, I was very much, and I think this is common for a lot of people, not everyone, but for a lot of people when you're college age or when you're younger, is you kind of get that we can change the world mentality yeah. that yeah. I think generations before us have had as well, where yeah. they kind of reach adulthood and go, we can change the system, we can change the world and mm. and kind of get that like fire under them and, and want to get involved and make a difference. Yeah. And then you kind of start to get older and leave that phase a little bit and you start to get a little bit more jaded because mm-hmm. you go like, oh, the efforts I tried to make didn't make as big of an impact as right. I had hoped mm. or I'm getting a little bit cynical about the whole system or skeptical about the whole thing right. maybe even the side that I was on in mm. college or something I'm starting to see like oh maybe that didn't live up to all of mm. the hopes and dreams yeah. that I had placed in them and so that cynicism at least for me kind of started to take over after I got yeah. out of college yes and I slowly kind of started descending into something that was a little more apolitical mm. or a little bit more apathetic Apathetic. And I wouldn't say I'm 100% apathetic. I still vote in elections. I'm still pretty plugged into what's happening, but I certainly have become disenchanted with the process and and the prospects of real change or progress or or whatever because I've kind of gone, I just don't see a lot of good happening Mm -hmm. in our political system in general. And uh, I'm kind of fed up with it. And so that's kind of where I've arrived as well. I'm kind of curious uh, as you guys reflect on kind of your own positions and how they differ from one another, how does you being a Christian fit into how you view politics? Does Mm -hmm. that make you think, oh, I have a responsibility to be more involved or maybe I need to be less involved? Does Mm -hmm. Christian identity influence Mm -hmm. the way you feel about politics at all one way or the other? I feel like that's a tricky question because a lot of times historically, I think Christians have identified with certain political parties and Mm -hmm. have kind of said this is the Christian position. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that's necessarily accurate 100%. Like Mm -hmm. both sides get things right and both sides get things wrong. As far as how does this line up with Jesus kingdom? And I was reading something today just to kind of try to wrap my own mind around this concept of, yeah, how does this line up with Christianity? For me, that just, it feels confusing. It feels like, I don't know, because I know Mm -hmm. Christians on both sides 
who love Jesus and are pursuing him with all their heart who have completely different views. So that just feels confusing to me, like even more so like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. There's some both. And does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. I've had a lot of talks with Christians who are on the opposite aisle of me recently. And I think that we always started out with what is the end goal that we're working towards? And Mm. more times than not, it's people being taken care of Mm -hmm. the love of Jesus being shown to people. And then we just start talking about methodology and we Mm. differ on the methodology. And then that's where Mm. we can kind of look at it and then critique not each other, but the methodology, right? Mm. So I don't have to approach my relative or my friends who are differing. I don't have to say you are wrong. I get to say like, I think this might be the wrong way to go about it. And then they can say that about how I think about methodology. Hmm. We work from the place of knowing, okay, I know this guy loves people and loves Jesus. We're just differing on strategy of how to show that now. Hmm. That's a, a really important thing to bring up because I think so often when it comes to politics or a variety of other things, frankly, too, hmm. we talk about identity, right? Yeah. And what makes up our identity for a lot of people who are very politically active, their political associations, mm-hmm. whether it's with a particular party or on a particular issue, start to become part of their identity, right? Yeah. Right. And so when those things become part of your identity, and someone else is disagreeing with you on those things. Mm. At that point, they're not simply disagreeing with your methodology. They're disagreeing with who you are, what you you believe. Right. Right. And that means that they're in opposition to you. They're attacking you. Mm -hmm. And you take that personally and often respond back in kind. Right. Mm. Because that's that's human nature. What you're saying, I think, is that like if we can take a step back from associating the very core of who we are with a political party and disassociate that a little bit, make it more about methodology. All of a sudden we can have more conversations with people who disagree with us because just the very fact that they don't agree with us doesn't mean that they're attacking who we are. We turn it into sports clubs and we turn it into teams. (laughs) When you rep your team, it doesn't become, you know, a critique of the team. It becomes a critique of you. And that's, that gets real messy real quick. I hope what I said earlier made sense about it feeling confusing, but it also feels very hopeful. Like I feel very hopeful when I spend time with people who love Jesus from both sides mm. of the aisle. Cause it reminds me, Hey, maybe we're not as far apart as we think we are. Right. Like there are some truths and things we can glean from both of these. But one of the cool things I was reading today from an author, Scott Sauls, he's written a book called Jesus outside the lines. And there's like a whole chapter about politics mm-hmm. and it's really, really well done. And he talks about how even among the 12 disciples that Jesus had with him, his core group of people that he traveled with and taught there were extremes in political Mm. loyalties, even in there, Mm -hmm. there was a zealot and a tax collector. And basically that's the equivalent, like completely opposite (laughs) sides of the spectrum. And they shared a common faith that transcended these opposing political loyalties. And he's saying, if that can happen, then left-leaning and right-leaning believers have to do the same. And he goes as far as to say, and I agree with this, it's wrong to question someone's faith because they don't vote like you do. Right. And I think that's that's important to note. You can disagree with someone's methodology, but if you start questioning their loyalty to Jesus because their methodology is different from you, then we're in dangerous territory. Can I stir the pot and add a little bit maybe against that? That's a huge important point to make that you can't question people just because they vote either D or R or independent. Mm -hmm. But I would also say like, look at the fruit that's Mm -hmm. being produced at the same time. Like, I think it's a really good place to start from to say like, okay, we're not questioning their morality or their beliefs based Mm. on what they vote for. But at the same time, I think that we shouldn't go so far in one direction. Do we say like, 
all is permissible and you can't stand up on religious principle against certain political arguments oh, and ideas. No, Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, that makes sense. I think that it's a good place to start from, but it also gets really dangerous in another direction where we're like, if you say that you love Jesus, but you vote for right. bad policies, I want people to know that like, it's totally cool at the same time to be confrontational to a degree against someone who's claiming to be Christian and mm-hmm. voting for policies that are just objectively bad. <laughs> I know a lot of people who are kind of in this zone where it's just total non-confrontation. And I think that mm-hmm. that allows some bad things to start yeah. stirring up. I think the challenge though there, Isaac, is what is objectively bad? That's You're right. The, no yeah. one's going to, not no one. A lot of people are going to yeah. disagree on, right. on what constitutes something yeah. being objectively wrong versus subjectively wrong. Yeah. Right. That's tricky. Like where, yeah. what is a methodology where there's room for disagreement and mm-hmm. where is there a methodology that no, I'm, I'm not okay with alternate views on this. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the challenge. I don't have to say, okay, well, your view is right. And my view is also right. It's not everybody's right. Right. right? Yeah. I can still believe that that person's view is wrong uh-huh. and that my view is right. Sure. But what does coexistence with that person who right. I disagree with mm-hmm. look like? Yeah. And I have to trust that that person's heart is in the right place. And maybe sometimes people's hearts are not in the right place. But most of the people I interact with, like my family members that I mm-hmm. might disagree with, I look at those people and I go, OK, we've come down on very different sides of this. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe that they came down on the side that they are because they want to destroy America right? or because they hate <laughs> yeah. Jesus or yeah, because they don't like love or yeah. because, right. And I think sometimes yeah, yeah. we take these methodological, is that a word? I don't know. Is that a word? <laughs> we take like these it. methodology differences and then we apply yeah. a lot of intent and motive and identity behind those right. things and yeah. we and we blur the lines yeah maybe. and there's a time and a place and a way to disagree that i think is more effective than others i've never shouted to someone the way that i want them to right think. that has happened zero out of a billion times yeah. that i've tried yeah, it. exactly however i do firmly believe when that time and place feels right to challenge someone's belief that you disagree with when they're saying well this is the christian belief or this mm. is what i think is the fundamental truth i right. think it's cool to challenge that I worry about the everyone's right as long as we're Christian mentality. Like, I think that's wrong. But Mm. I think that what you're saying is totally true, Anson. We can separate the ideas out and then critique the ideas. Right. And I think it's also a matter of prioritization. So, for example, you have Simon the Zealot among the disciples. I'm not super educated about his history in particular. But I don't know necessarily that he, in order to be a follower of Christ, had to give up all of his views that he Mm. had coming into it. Maybe he had to give up some of them Mm -hmm. or some of them evolved I imagine they would. Hopefully they would. But I think it's a matter of prioritization as opposed to picking only one thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So just because I have chosen to make my faith in Christ, the central part of my life and the core of who I am doesn't mean that I have to give up my politics completely. Mm -hmm. It just means I have to put them in the correct order of prioritization. Right. Mm -hmm. I have to say that being a believer and believing in Christ is is the core of who I am. That's the top thing in Mm -hmm. my life. Mm -hmm. And this other political stuff is is secondary to that. And I think when we get in trouble is when we start to mix up the order of those things. Mm. When we start to say that being a Republican or being a Democrat is the most important thing in my life Mm. and being a Christian is the second most important. If we start with our fellow believers as being Christ followers, and that's the most important thing, we have so much common ground now. Right. And that doesn't mean that you can't still be what you are and I can't still be what I am, but we have to figure out a way to coexist with those things Mm. because the core of who we are supersedes some of those secondary things. 
So one side of the coin in particular that I wanted to talk about is this idea that Christians, we don't necessarily have the luxury to just pretend that we can transcend politics or to mm. live outside of politics mm. and simply preach the gospel and be Christians. That I think could be an argument from someone who might say, you know what, this political stuff gets really messy. Trying to coexist with each other politically gets really messy. Christ is at the center of my life. Being a Christ follower is the core of my identity. Let's just set all of that other stuff aside mm -hmm. and just focus on being Christians, mm. preaching the gospel and forget all the politics stuff. That's a nice thought. But yeah. in practicality, that doesn't really work. Yeah. Politics and policy is going to happen whether or not you're involved in it. And I think that the people that you want to minister to the most, they're going to be impacted by that. You are as well. But if, if you want to talk about wanting to minister and witness to poor people or disenfranchised people, the politics that go on in our country affect them. The way policy has affected them will drastically impact your ability to minister to them. Everything feeds into each other. So you can't remove completely from the political process because it still impacts you. Right. Well, and I think if you say, all right, I'm going to abstain from all politics ever in a way, I think you could be inadvertently casting a vote for the status quo. Right. Whatever mm -hmm. that thing is. Right. Yeah. Like I was reading an article from The New York Times by Timothy Keller that he wrote a few months ago. He was talking about the uh, American church in the early 19th century that did not speak out against slavery at the time, mm -hmm. because doing so would be kind of what we would call getting political, right? right? Getting yeah. messy. Mm. But by not getting involved and by not speaking into the issue at all, what happened is that they kind of inadvertently ended up supporting slavery by mm. not getting political, right? right? So to not be political is kind of being political. So frustrating as someone over here who just wants to be, why can't we all get along? Yeah. But I get it. And it's good for people like me to be challenged and say, okay, like there's space to thoughtfully engage. I think one of the really interesting things that a friend of mine actually said, which really got me thinking when it comes to where we have to be careful about crossing the line, mm. he said, when you think about politics, really the underlying goal is to gain power. So if you are a politician, your goal is to gain power so that you can exert influence over a system, right? right? And theoretically, anyway, yeah. you could do that in a way that is a good thing. The thing is, if you look, though, at Christ and his teaching, so much of what he talks about seems to revolve around the appropriate relinquishing of power. Yeah. He doesn't spend much time talking about gaining power and influence. Mm -hmm. He spends a lot of time talking about being meek. Right. And, and in many ways, giving it up. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of the rub that we run into politically is like, OK, Jesus also advocated for people in certain situations. Right. Like he advocated for the woman who was about to be stoned, like he, yeah. he exerted yeah. control over situations. So it's not that we never do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, it's not about gaining power to exert control over an entire system. That's right. not what he did. Mm -hmm. And so it's this real conundrum because yeah. on the one hand, as we said, you cannot just pretend that you transcend politics because that's not reality. Right. Conversely, like we have to be really, really wary of identifying the Christian church with particular parties, mm. yeah. not saying that there's never a time to do that, but we have to be really, really careful about it. It is not cool at all to listen to people right now on the opposite end of your party. Mm. It's not. When that happens, it can be a really intense, but really good thing to show them. Mm. I love you. 
And this isn't just a political thing. If we're talking about following the example of Christ, he was friends with tax collectors and people who are outside of the social norms like prostitutes. And he, yeah. he daily bucked the status quo. And I think that we're going to have to start being comfortable doing that again. And I think the thing that we have to be open to as we go into those discussions is trying to figure out, at least in general terms, maybe not exactly where some of these lines exist between what is practical wisdom and what is a matter of biblical command. Right. Mm. Right. So there is a biblical command to help the poor. That is not something that can be questioned. Right. right? As far as our responsibility as Christians, Mm. we are responsible for helping the poor. Should we shrink government and let private markets allocate resources to do that? Or should we expand the government and give the state more power to redistribute wealth? All of a sudden, we've crossed from (laughs) one area of we should help the poor to Mm. how do we help the poor? Mm. And that's where a lot of these disagreements come in. By the way, those aren't the only two options. There's about a million options in between those two that could be possible paths for a way forward as well. The Bible doesn't give us an exact answer for every question, for every time, for every place, for every culture. Thanks, the Bible. Right? Like it it doesn't say like, here's the economic structure and policies that Mm. should be in place to achieve helping the poor the most. Like this is what's going to work for that. What you were saying earlier, Isaac, is that we can't ignore the fact that with the example I've chosen here as Christ followers, we are to help the poor, right? If we're hearing someone say, you know what, forget the poor, they can just go be poor and I don't care about (laughs) them and what, you know, it's their fault for being poor. Should have thought of that before you become peasants. Right. (laughs) In the words of Yzma, right. Okay. Yzma was an evil super villain. Right. Right. And that's bad. (laughs) We shouldn't say that the poor should have thought of that before they became poor. That's an issue where, okay, that's Mm. a heart issue, right? Something's going on there that we need to address. But once we get into the practical aspects of how to solve that, we have to be a little bit more careful. Again, not that you can't advocate for one. I think if you believe in one, you should advocate for it. You should support it. But we have to do it in a way that is respectful of other people's differences Mm. and understands that just because this person thinks that this methodology is going to do a better job of serving the poor than this one doesn't mean that they hate the poor. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. It just means they have a different way Mm. of approaching the issue and trying to solve it. I think there's one other challenge that really complicates this matter for us, particularly here in the United States, and that is the two party system Mm. right now. I don't want to get into too much like political theory about whether the two party system is better than a three party system or whatever. We can talk about that (laughs) forever. But let's just talk about what is the current reality for us in our country. And that is. It's a two party Mm. system, right? There's Republicans and there's Democrats. I'm sure there are probably people that would disagree with me on this. And I'm not saying that both parties are necessarily equal, but I think it's fair to say that neither party 100% can be fully identified as Christian. And I think there are probably a lot of people who feel that one is much more close to that than the other, but I don't think either of them get all the way there for sure. The problem is we get into this kind of package deal ethics mode where we have to pick one or the other and we kind of have to take the good with the bad. If we think this party does a really good job of getting this issue right, well, we also have to accept that that party feels this way on this issue, which I don't agree with. Mm. And so I have to pick one or the other and take the good with the bad. Mm -hmm. And that puts me in kind of a compromising situation. Yeah. This is also just a reality of how our system works at the moment. That's always been a real struggle for me to go like, do I, do I pick a side or not? Mm. Because if you want to 
get someone elected, you kind of have to pick a side. Yeah. Does that mean accepting everything that comes with that side, even mm. the baggage? There's got to be some way to thread the needle there, maybe. I, mm. or maybe not. I think that the way that I land on that is I strive to view the world through the Christian lens first. And I try to find most of my values that I have gained through my interpretation of scripture. Where is that most fulfilled? And then does the bad from this specific candidate outweigh the good that I see that, that could come out through their policies? Right. Mm. So that's the kind of fine line that I hope ideally you know, everyone walks where this is my interpretation of what the Bible says I should do for people. This candidate does some bad stuff, but they still do these things, right? Like, is that sound good? I think it's taking a good shot at it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, that's part of what we probably have to realize is that yeah. there's no perfect solution. I don't think so. And unless a human system is fully centered on God, which no human system is, right. let's be honest. Jesus will have things to affirm and things to critique about it. Let's yeah. just be real. There is no such thing as a perfect human system in this political soup that we're swimming in. Yeah. And so it seems like the best we can do is say, God, I need your wisdom. Yeah, like you're right. going to have to show me wisdom. And I think good conversations that iron sharpening iron with the other side in healthy ways, mm -hmm. if you can do that, seems like the best way forward. Now it is time for On Repeat. It's my turn this week for a personal On Repeat. And mine this week is Sleeping at Last. It's a song called Sun. And I will try, try, try to breathe Till it turns to muscle memory I feel the pressure in my blood Building up and liberating me so really, my on repeat this week is this whole album from Sleeping at Last called Atlas Year Two. And I've been on vacation, so my music listening habits are a little bit different than normal. So I didn't get to enjoy my real FM. But I spent a lot of time listening to this album because it's a very chill, very like, OK, I'm on vacation. I'm disconnecting. I need yeah. some deep thoughts and some beautiful lyrics. And this guy, he can write some lyrics and put it together with some amazing orchestral, like sweeping, epic I don't know. They're incredible. And so when I need to like feel things deeply, <laughs> this is where I go. Or when I need to work through the feelings I already have, this mm -hmm. is this is my go to guy sleeping at last. And so it's really interesting. He's written on this album, Atlas Year Two, he's written these songs in these different sections. So songs one to four are songs about life. Mm. Songs five to nine are about the different senses. Songs 10 to 13 are about emotions. There's a section that are about intelligence and a section about the Enneagram. He's written a song for each Enneagram type, you guys. I know. Okay, this explains so Kara, much. is this you? I know. You're just publishing music and you know, you're plugging yourself? He is, I know, right? He is a type nine, so basically <laughs> I feel like we are kind of, yeah, you know, if there I is... I don't buy it. This, this is Kara. No, it's not. It's not me, but it could, it could be. So... <laughs> <laughs> so the song um, that has been literally stuck in my head, there's one line of this song in particular. I think it's a song written to and about his son. It's kind of a song about vulnerability and how scary it is and how do I do this? And there's this one line that has literally been stuck in my head all week long. I swear I'll try, try, try to breathe till it turns to muscle memory. I'm only steady on my knees. One day I'll stand up on my own two feet times of transition are tricky and uh, it brings out a lot of my struggle with anxiety and depression. And so 
this line has just been stuck in my head. Like when I wake up in the morning, I, I feel like I feel these words. I swear I'll try, try, try to breathe till it turns to muscle memory. And I think that's so beautiful and so indicative of how so many changes happen in our life. Like you kind of have to just keep breathing, keep doing the next thing one step at a time. At some point it turns into muscle memory. It becomes a habit. Mm. It becomes this beautiful pattern that you've created in your life. And I love this album. It's beautiful. It's amazing. If you want to feel all the things, go listen to Sleeping at Last. This week, I have got the beta testers on repeat this week, and it's Mumford & Sons, Guiding Light. Anson and Kara, there has never been an instance where I've thought, is this a Mumford & Sons song? <laughs> I can always tell. It's true. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. And honestly, like the Mumford and Son dynamic and everything that they bring to the table musically and lyrically, it's just a good, solid song. Mm. And I totally affirm the beta tester's choice of having this <laughs> on repeat. This is a jam. This is a bop. It's really good. And anytime yeah. you can cram the Mumford and Son vocal patterns and everything into the song, <laughs> it's good. Uh, the chorus is really cool. And it's one of these songs where I'm like, is he writing about Jesus or is he writing about his wife? Or his wife? <laughs> like, it, but it's really good because it's kind of vague enough to where you can interpret it. You can make it a song related to your spiritual mm. life, or it can be about a loved one who nice. elevates you and lifts you up. The chorus is, well, I know I had it all on the line, but don't just sit with folded hands and become blind. Because mm. even when there is no star in sight, you'll always be my guiding light. Mm. So just very sweet. Very good. And again, it is a Mumford and Sons song. <laughs> <laughs> there is no mistaking it. Can't go wrong there. If you are into Mumford and Sons, you are going to like this song. It's really good. <laughs> I have the beta testers on delete song of the week. And this one is Friends by Andy Minio. If you knew I was bugging and you stayed quiet. You said I was right when I ain't right. Well, that's not what friends do. That's not what friends do. I'll write it for you. When the last time you think about me, hey, probably the last time it drinks on me. We've actually been doing really good here over the last month or so in terms of uh, the feedback from the beta testers on songs on Real FM. We mm -hmm. haven't really had any songs that are like, nope, hate that. Get rid of that immediately. <laughs> so the songs that we've been talking about as kind of the on deletes, honestly, that may be kind of a bit of a misnomer at the yeah. moment because they're not necessarily on deletes. They're just kind of cool appreciation, perhaps. <laughs> I don't know. They're definitely not uh, the top performing songs on Real FM, but they're also not necessarily, ooh, I hate that, get rid of it immediately. Mm, yeah. And this one fits into that as well. The score kind of that we got back from the beta testers on the song said, yeah, I think it's an okay song. Let's keep it around, but not necessarily a favorite at the moment. Yeah. But we'll have to see because songs usually end up doing better over time as yeah. well yeah. as people get more used to them. But this song, uh, Friends by Andy Minio, it's basically a diss track from Andy Minio about his disloyal friends. Mm. Oh. I think maybe part of why the score is a little bit lower on this song is maybe that people don't connect to the lyrics and the oh. message of the song quite as much. At least that's the case for me. Like, I don't necessarily have a lot of friends where I'm like, why are you hating on me? Why are you so disloyal to me? Why are you not actually my friend, man? Like, I, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't have those thoughts and feelings towards a lot of people that I know. Mm. And so that's not something that I relate to. 
super well. I don't. Hmm. Does that make sense? I'm no? pretty messy. No. I relate to you're, this. You're feeling. Okay. <laughs> Isaac's all about this. Isaac's like, oh no, I got some peeps. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, there's every every once in a while, there's some pruning that you need to do, and this okay. is one of those songs where okay. it's like, it's yeah. you know, interesting. Play that song in the background while you're unfriending some people. I oh. think. He, he comes out with yeah. it. I mean, Get he's messy. Like, yeah, they praying on me <laughs> like devil horns with the halo, like kind of this like you know yeah. they, they kind yes. of pretend to be your friend, but then as soon as I go yeah. and call on them. Oh. They're not actually there for me. Those are the types of people that he's talking about here. Wow. Now, maybe I'll have some more of those down the road. I'm just not in a life stage where that's the case. I, I hope not. That's probably good. I hope you never relate to this song. <laughs> yeah. this is a good, I mean, he talks about, I, I got a lot of friends in air quotes, right? Who, yeah. We have fun moments together, but then as soon as I really need them and rely mm. on them, then they're not there for Was me. that not the case for you right. like in your mid-20s so, though? <laughs> like, I mean, I think maybe back in like college and yeah. a younger age, I probably felt that oh. a little bit more because I had a wider friend yeah, group yeah, and a shallower yeah, yeah. friend group. Yeah. Oh, that's Whereas fair. I think as I've gotten older, my friend group has gotten much smaller and yeah. yet deeper. Yeah, and so true. those people that you. he's talking about, perhaps like mm. I just don't have time for those people anymore. Like I, I, I just you. like I cut them off a long time ago. Oh, like I was, okay. you know, like, that makes sense. like if we're not if we're not real here with each other, if we're not yeah. going deep, if this is just yeah. going to be a shallow thing, then I, what's the point kind yeah. of a deal. So mm. I, I, I can get where he's coming from. I, I'm just probably at a life stage where I've kind of already pruned those people. <laughs> But honestly, I'm talking a lot about the message and lyrics of the song, the music of the song and like the hook and stuff. I love it. I yeah. think it's great. Uh, I tend to kind of judge and I don't know if this is a good thing or not. The like catchiness of a song by how quickly my daughter like picks up on the lyrics yes. and starts singing along with it. Yeah. And Avi picked up this chorus right away That's and she's funny. sitting back there in the back of the minivan, you know, going, <laughs> That's not what friends do, you know. <laughs> So, I don't know. Cute. She's probably going to be like laying out some of these lines on her friends in right. like first grade or something. Oh, that'd be adorable. Like, on the playground. You know, yeah. That's not what friends do. That's Who are you? Awesome. Ah, like, <laughs> Who are you? Ah. <laughs> All right, guys, that wraps up our conversation on getting political. Isaac, you still like Kara and I, even though Maybe. we are I've a been, little more politically apathetic at times. I've been subtweeting all of you this whole time. So <laughs> y'all can follow me on Twitter for that drama. These guys. Oh boy. That's not That's friends, not, I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we just need to use that song as our yeah, anthem for it. <laughs> we could. We could. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk podcast from Real FM. Catch Real Talk with Anson and Kara from 4 to 7 p.m. live every weekday on Real FM radio. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent or reflect the views of John Brown University, KLRC Radio, or Real FM.